Welcome to the Real Truth Matters podcast. I'm Dan Harder, your host. The RTM podcast is all about showing you how to live in biblical spirituality, demonstrating where the Bible and real life intersect. And now, here's Real Truth Matters founder and director, Michael Durham. Welcome to the podcast and episode 16. We're going to talk today about how do you detect God's voice within. We've already established the fact that God speaks subjectively to us. And when He does, He uses our own inner voice, the voice of self. Some call it the conscience, but it's not that. It's, it's the same voice with which you speak to yourself. You speak to yourself and self speaks to you. In our last two episodes, we gave you six biblical ways to test any voice, guidance, or impression you receive. Of course, we would all prefer God to speak in an unmistakable way. Take speaking burning bushes, for an example, or the clouds parting in an audible voice from heaven, or a vision of the resurrected Christ. All these would seal the deal that God has spoken to you. Not much room for doubt after witnessing something like the above. But as we all know, those things don't happen very frequently. Or perhaps I should rephrase that and say those things don't happen at all, at least not for me. Which takes me back to my point. We all would prefer a clearer way for God to communicate to us that would not require testing because we would immediately know it was the Lord. I'm convinced the reason our Lord does not normally speak in the way we have already listed, those spectacular ways, is because He wants to develop spiritual maturity in you and me. Audible voices and visions, dreams, or angelic appearances on an ongoing basis does not develop maturity. Those mediums of communication do not require spiritual maturity. They hinder maturity. Remember back to episode 11 when I explained that our Heavenly Father's goal is to develop wise and mature children. I used my children as an illustration. If my 36- and 34-year-old sons needed me to tell them what to do about everything, well then, I failed as a parent. It was my responsibility to instruct and train them so they could eventually live as mature adults, not needing me to tell them what to do and when to do it. Essentially, my training and discipline should have done that. I don't need to tell them now, since I taught them and they learned what is right for them. The result is that in every decision they make that is wise, I'm well pleased. In many ways, This is very similar with God's design for us. That doesn't mean that we live independently of God, but that we are living out His influence upon us, even though that influence came years ago from past instruction. It is still His influence at work today. I think there's another reason the Lord has chosen to work this way. It's because the moving of the Spirit of God internally upon our thought life promotes union with Christ as well as maturity. We know that we are one with Him, and He dwells in us, and we in Him. The result is that our thoughts can be established by the Spirit. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 says, quote, 
commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. End of quote. The New American Standard Bible and the English Standard Version translations read this way. Commit your work or works to the Lord and your plans will be established. This means that when we in faith give all that we do to the Lord for His purposes, then He will establish whatever plans that we have devised from our thought processes. That doesn't mean any plan we think up is going to work. No, not at all. But it does mean that when we really want God's will to be done, we can trust that in our thinking and planning, He will be influencing our thoughts, leading us His way. Faith says that we should expect this. This is our union with Christ at work. Our Lord works in this quiet and subjective way much more than He does in the flash of lightning and thunder when you have a direct impression that is unmistakably God. Those are extraordinary, which means they are not the ordinary. But they do still happen as the Lord sovereignly chooses. Yet again, I must take this opportunity to say that the Bible is so important for many reasons, but it's greatly important in this area. Many are clamoring, wishing, pining to have powerful impressions being assured that God is speaking to them. But that becomes so little necessary as we learn God and His ways in the Scripture. I don't need impressions from heaven when I already have a clear word in the Bible. The Bible is God speaking. I must not seek to feel some internal movement of my heart as to whether the Lord will meet my need or not. No. I already have heard him speak on that subject in his word. My God shall meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. And I hear the Lord Jesus say to me in Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. Therefore, when I have a legitimate need, I know that it's my Father's will to meet that need. I don't need voices, visions, or vibes to believe that. He has spoken. And he's written it down for me. It's now up to me to believe it. So the question is, how do you detect those moments when God does speak to you internally through that inner voice in your mind? What does the voice of God sound like? Now, this is different from the six markers or tests about God's guidance we spent the last two episodes explaining. This is dealing with the detectable quality of God's voice when He uses your inner voice. No matter how well you learn His voice, it must still be tested by the six markers I've given you. So, how do you recognize God's thoughts in your thoughts? That's the question. And I would begin by saying that God's voice is learnable. 
His voice is distinctive and therefore learnable. You can learn to discern the Lord's voice. It's as discernible as any voice is discernible. In other words, we can know his thoughts because they are distinguishable. There are factors that make up the voice of any person. Detectable, discernible distinctives that make each voice unique. Think of any person and their voice that you know. You know it's their voice because you've learned to discern certain features about their voice. There are namely three distinct features that distinguish any voice, including the Lord's voice working in union with your thoughts. The first feature is the actual sound of the voice. Each human being has a voice that's different from others. It's as unique as fingerprints are unique to each person. There may be others who have a similar sound to your voice, but it isn't exact. There are people who make a living out of learning how to impersonate the voice of famous people, but we have the technology to today to distinguish the genuine from the imitation. And you don't even need that technology. If you were to stand the impersonator beside the man or woman he's an imitating and both spoke the same lines, you could tell the difference. Now, we describe voices as either high or low, squeaky or nasally, rich or full. And what we're describing is the sound or tonality of the voice. Each person's vocal cords are at different lengths. The longer the cord, the deeper the voice. But vocal cords are not the only determiner of sound. The oral cavity, the sinuses, and other factors play a role. In the case of the Lord God, the sound of His voice is not something that registers on the eardrum, since we don't hear a physical voice. However, when God speaks into our thoughts, there is a distinct sound, not an audible sound, but a definite intonation. When the Spirit of God speaks using our inner voice, there is an authority about it, an authority. God's voice sounds authoritative. As it was said of Jesus, he spoke authoritatively, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Matthew chapter 7, verse 29. The word of God is firm, but it's also warm. Another way to say that the voice of God has authority is that it's weighty. It comes with this sense of importance. It's substantial. It isn't trivial. The Lord doesn't just come and, please excuse the colloquialism, chew the fat. Fellowship with God's not about passing the time of day with small talk. Another trait of authority is the fact that God does not speak in generalities. He's very specific, almost matter-of-fact, you could say. He's very purposeful about what is stated. He deals directly with you and with specific issues. One more quality of authority related to the previous point is that the Lord speaks in a declarative sense. Now, what do I mean by the Lord speaking declarative? Well, he makes declarations, or to put it negatively, he does not speak in probabilities, but rather he speaks again definitively. You'll not catch the Lord saying, perhaps, or probably, maybe, or possibly. No, not at all. Listen to the prophets. 
and you'll discover no wavering or waffling. It was always, thus saith the Lord. It was always definitive. The all-knowing God does not deal with odds. He knows absolutely what will come to pass. He knows exactly who you are, what your real issues are, and he doesn't have to guess. He knows, and therefore, he speaks accordingly. Should the Lord question you? Even his questions are declarative statements. For example, when he questions Cain, the Lord asks, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? Genesis chapter 4, verse 6. He did not ask Cain if he was angry. Rather, he challenges Cain with his anger and asks why he is so. Continuing further with the sound of God's voice, is in addition to it having authority, it also has the sound of calmness. It's not an excitable voice. Even if it warns an alarm, it does so with perfect poise. His voice is unflappable, without panic. It's full of confidence and is without the sense of anxiety. On the other hand, the voice of the enemy is just the opposite. It is an excitable voice, full of tension. He lacks calm. The devil speaks as if you've got to do something right now, inciting within you an impulsiveness. He doesn't want you to think about it. He doesn't want you to consider the consequences. The last thing he would encourage is for you to pray or test what you've heard. But the Lord is just the opposite. He is the prince of peace. Stanley Jones was a missionary to India. He made one of the most astute statements about God's thoughts or internal voice that helped me a great deal. Here's what he said, quote, Perhaps the rough distinction is this. The voice of the subconscious argues with you, tries to convince you. But the inner voice of God does not argue, does not try to convince you. It just speaks and is self-authenticating. It has the feel of the voice of God within it. End of quote. These are the things we mean about the sound of the voice of God. Well, moving on to the second distinctive of any voice is the spirit or character of the voice. The spirit or the character. As with any human being, their spirit or character is often manifested in their voice. The way they inflect their voice often speaks of what is within. A gentle voice speaks often of a gentle soul. An angry voice betrays an angry soul. An excited voice communicates an excitable person. A voice of solemnity tells on a man who possesses a serious nature. I think you get the point. Within the voice, much can be learned about the spirit of a person. Well, under this heading, I would say that the character of God's voice is namely the spirit of love. His voice bespeaks of his great heart. The Apostle Paul tells us, that this is one of the first things the Holy Spirit communicates to us when we are converted. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. 
He loves his people infinitely. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3 says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I've drawn you. Oh, my friend, he's a father of great love, more than all fathers combined. The Bible says he does not afflict willingly. When he must discipline or chasten his children, he does it because of his love for them. His voice is the voice of tenderness. It's also the voice of mercy. Psalm 103, verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. His voice does not contain anger towards them who are the objects of his great mercy, his children. Christ has absorbed God's anger against our sin that we may receive all of his gracious favor. The spirit of his voice is also full of compassion. Once again, from Psalm 103, as the father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Even though God is the almighty creator of the all and all, and his voice can shake the very foundations of the earth, his voice is also gentle. Jesus said of himself that he was gentle and lowly. The King of kings and Lord of lords is the most humble than all of his creatures and subjects. Surely his voice communicates this amazing meekness. The Lord's character is above all things pure, even as he is pure. In the epistle of James, the apostle and brother of our Lord said, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. James chapter 3, verse 17. You could say that that verse described God's voice as well as his character. Well, a third and final feature of the voice that makes it distinctive, that you can know it, learn it, discern it, is the substance or content of the voice. The substance or the content of the voice. Our Lord taught us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The content of voice carries the content of the heart. Whatever's in the heart comes out of the mouth, either sweet or bitter. The heart that is full of the good things, well, it will speak of them, but an evil man speaks the evil that resides within. A vulgar and a profane man uses vulgarity and profanity, but a holy man speaks with words seasoned with grace. His words are steeped in loving kindness and ministers grace to the hearers. The content of our Lord's voice is the content of his holy heart, and therefore it's very easy to recognize. The content of his words are always in agreement with Scripture. As we've stated all along, whatever God speaks to your heart will never contradict his word. That's why the greatest test of all subjective impressions and thoughts and guidance is the Bible. The very words that drip from his holy lips encourage the faint-hearted, 
and strengthens the weak. They are balm to the wounded and medicine to the sick of heart. And when he rebukes his own, even then it's more like the tender kiss of a friend. There is no condemnation in the content of God's communication to his children. Any condemning voice or word comes from someone other than the Holy Father of heaven. However, when you examine the devil In disguise as an angel of light, you can detect even, should he quote the scripture, that at the heart of his content is distrust. The implication is there, although at times subtly, that God cannot be trusted explicitly. You must come to God's aid and complete the promise or make up for whatever the devil suggests is lacking in God. Listen to him as he tries to tempt the Lord Jesus. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Days earlier, the Heavenly Father had declared to all present, including Jesus, that he, Jesus, was his beloved Son, in whom he was well pleased. And my friend, there's no greater witness and testimony than the Word of God himself. And yet, Satan cast dispersion on the voice of God and its pronouncement about Jesus. He appeals to Christ to not rely on the word of God, but to demonstrate that he is the son of God. In other words, the greatest proof that you're God's son is your assertion of self. God's testimony is not sufficient. You should prove it. Well, before I end this show, I want to say one more thing about the internal experience of the Lord using thoughts as a means of communicating to you. When the Spirit of God speaks, there is a sense of peace. The devil cannot produce the peace of God. Something of a resonance occurs. Now, what do I mean by resonance? I mean that your heart is in sync or rhythm with the Holy Spirit. There is a union, a oneness, a sameness. Your heart finds immediate agreement, and it's at peace. A simple illustration is tuning forks. Take two tuning forks, which are tuned to the same frequency. Strike one of them, and the other vibrates, despite the fact you didn't strike it. The vibrations of the tuning fork that was struck is on the same frequency as the tuning fork that was not touched. And it's this frequency that transmits the vibrations to the tuning fork that was not struck. This is resonance. When the Spirit of God speaks, there is this immediate resonance. Your heart vibrates. Your heart is in agreement. And the result is a peace that passes understanding. You can't explain it, but you're at peace. Thank God the enemy cannot reproduce that because your regenerated heart is not tuned to the frequency, if I may continue with the illustration. Your heart's not tuned to the frequency of the devil's heart. No, it's tuned to God's heart. And so when God speaks, there is this resonance, this this frequency of God, of the Spirit that resonates with your heart, and you just know, and that brings peace. Well, in summary, the voice of God will have its own unique distinction, and when you experience it for the very first time, you will know what I mean. The voice of God moves you toward 
whatever he commands. The thought of God has an authority about it that compels you to want to do the thing. And if you disobey, you know, you just know you're disobeying. You know you're doing wrong and that you are wrong. There's, there's no doubt about it. You know that it's wrong to go against what you've experienced. Of course, you can also doubt if God has spoken to you. The subjective leadership of God doesn't always produce immediate full assurance. We've made that point over and again. And that's why it's so important that you return to neutrality so that you're not preferring any desire of your own above the pleasure of God. Well, thank you for listening today. And please, I once again want to remind you about the resources that Real Truth Matters offers you. You can go to our website, and there you can find many helpful resources for the Christian life. You can find out how to order our book, The Fight of Faith, How a Christian Can Experience the Assurance of Salvation, as well as there are hundreds of sermons, either in audio, video, or written format. You can also find the RTM digital magazine that was produced several years And those articles are still there for your digestion. Well, I'd like to ask you to please share this podcast with others. Help us to get the word out about it. If we didn't think this show was a help and service to those who listen, we just wouldn't do it. But I believe what I'm sharing with you week after week is what the body of Christ needs to hear. We need to return to a Christianity that is biblically informed and experiential in nature. For too long, churches have been opting for one or the other instead of insisting on both. One more thing. We'd like to do another Q&A. So if you have any questions about any of the podcasts that we've aired since our last Q&A, just send us an email with your question at web, W-E-B, at realtruthmatters.com. That's web at realtruthmatters.com. And please include your name, one special questioner will receive a signed copy of my new book, The Fight of Faith. Well, on behalf of all of us here at Real Truth Matters Ministries, thank you for tuning in, and may the Lord richly bless you with His love in a real and tangible way. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Truth Matters podcast. I hope you can see that Christianity is profoundly experiential, but always based on the objective truth of Scripture. If you have questions or comments, please send them to our email address, web at realtruthmatters.com. That's web at realtruthmatters.com. Real Truth Matters podcast, dedicated to biblical spirituality, demonstrating where the Bible and real life intersect.